When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And without further ado, with all the uh, aplomb deserved, here he is, Dr. History. Good morning. I, I clean up pretty good, don't I, Zen? Well, pretty good. Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard from the Schnitzel Flooster. Oh, my goodness, Mr. Budge. What's his Schnitzel, name? Schnitzel, Schnitzel Flooster. So yeah. uh, he, you know, we've done these stories on the trappers. And so he gave me a couple of things uh, that uh, will add to that. Okay. There was something that the Indians uh, grew called the Three Sisters. And what it is, it's corn, beans, and squash. And the way they would plant them, they plant the corn, the beans would climb up the, the corn, and the squash would grow around the plant to protect it from uh, other animals and stuff. So Wait it was called the Three Sisters. Really? Yeah, corn, beans, and squash. And then you know, when you think about the leather clothes that the mountain men wore, yeah. if they got wet, they'd be pretty heavy. And so uh, he sent me a picture and a little uh, story about what they would do is they'd take their bandanas and they would tie them just below their knee. And so the weight of the – it would take some of the weight off of the wet uh, buckskins off of them so they wouldn't tend to slide down. And you you look at pictures. There's nothing worse than your buckskin britches sliding <laughs> down. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Feeble Fooster. Schnitzel Fooster. That's right. That's right. All right. So we're going to talk about a man that uh, actually was quite well known in the West as a trapper, fur trapper, fur trapper, trader, all that stuff. Manuel Lisa. 
Does that name sound at all familiar to you? Uh, Not that much. I'm I'm probably looking at you with a rather vacant look on <laughs> you my face. You are indeed. <laughs> well, you're going to know about him after today. Okay, good. So Lewis and Clark, you know, 1803, 1804, uh, you know, they were preparing, you know, to make their trip and one thing or another. And uh, so they were in St. Louis and uh, there was a frontier businessman by the name of Manuel Lisa. And he was a New Orleans-born Spaniard with a good sense of business. And when Lewis and Clark established their camp, he was one of the first ones to call on them to sell them goods. Really? Yeah. So as he visited with the explorers, uh, his mind was already kind of thinking, you know, uh, this could be something where we could get some furs, some valuable furs, and there would be riches for the right people willing to risk following Lewis and Clark up the Missouri and into the mountains. So did he go to? Not, not so much. But you, you'll see what he kind of his He's a businessman. Ah, all right. Okay. So. Uh, he'd been a merchant piloting his own boat on those inland waters, and those who dealt with Lisa knew him as a cold, calculating, sometimes ruthless pursuit of his competition. He could go for the jugular, and he was a bulldog in a business deal. Lisa wanted into the fur industry. I see. He uh, he became a skilled wilderness traveler, so he did travel, mm-hmm. uh, expert in dealing with Indians. Um, now, turn your mic sir, a little bit to the right. That, no, that right. right, this right. Yeah, yeah there you're you right. Go. My right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, he he had a good working relationship with the Indians, which could be a problem facing some of the beaver trappers ah, in those days. Okay. So Lisa wanted an open market and with the chance to beat his uh, competition, and his opportunity came with the purchase of the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. So now he had a way to claw his way to the top because now we had we owned the Louisiana Purchase, which yeah. you know was a huge area all through that whole Midwest and into the Rockies. So Lewis and Clark returned with good news, uh, said there was a lot of furs in the mountains, uh, just there for the taking. So Lisa met with partners. He raised funds. He got together some boats, men, and supplies. He stocked trade goods to supply forts. He would build among the Indians of the Missouri River country. In the spring of 1807, uh, he launched two keel boats on the Missouri. So this is a few years after Where Lewis and Clark. Where did he get all the operating capital? Well, he had some partners. Oh. And then he was a businessman, too. Oh, I see. So he had, uh, uh, he had some backing, I guess I you see. would say. I see. So, uh, had a Lisa card and all that. All that, that yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lisa was adding a fresh approach by taking along his own trappers instead of depending on Indians to bring in all the beaver. He would outfit his trappers from established posts. Hmm. So... You know, before that, and even after, a lot of times the Indians were good at trapping, yeah. and the uh, the trappers would buy uh, furs from them as well, as well as their own trapping. So that spring, his company had perhaps about 50 traders and trappers when his, his boats pushed away from the shore at St. Louis. Manuel Lisa himself was in charge. In his new crew were a number of men who had already traveled the route with Lewis and Clark. Among those veterans who knew the mountains and their moods was a guy named George Drulliard. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we'll you'll know more about him. Oh, a good bit. old George. George. 
there was competition from the beginning and the fur companies employed kind of some rough tactics when one of Lisa's crew members repeatedly found ways to delay the expedition Lisa kind of suspected him of being a problem causer employed by the competition. Really? So about 120 miles out of St. Louis, there was another one of the group. His name was Antone Bissonette, defected. In other words, he left. Okay. Yeah. Manuel Lisa talked with the best hunter in his group, George Drulliard. Uh-huh. All right. And it's believed that he told Drulliard, he said, I want you to track down this guy Get him at, at dead or alive and bring him dead back. or alive dead or alive because he figured he was a traitor yeah. to the other companies. Oh, well, so this Pissonette guy might have escaped from somebody kind of a lesser man, but with Drulliard on his trail, his chances of getting away pretty slim. And whatever Drulliard shot at, it went down. I see. Well, probably Drulliard caught up with Bassinet. But the deserted him, he made the mistake of trying to escape. Well, Trulliard winged Bassinet. Lisa had Bassinet loaded into a canoe and sent downriver for medical help. On the way, Bassinet died, a factor which Lisa and Trulliard would eventually have to answer. So you'll see here in a little bit oh, what, uh, how that came back the plot thickens. to kind of bite him a yeah. little bit. So. Anyway, Lisa had opportunities to display his skill at dealing with the Indians. Usually a show of strength was enough to help avoid confrontation. The always warlike Arikara threatened them as the keelboats moved upstream from their villages, but the chiefs hesitated to attack a group as strong as Lisa's band of trappers. Hmm. And, of course, they had guns. Yeah. So one day, uh, Lisa's keelboats met a solitary dugout canoe being paddled downstream by another of Lewis and Clark's veterans. Oh, my. John Coulter. Oh. You've you've heard of John Coulter? Yeah. Yeah. I've told stories about him. He's... Isn't he the guy that ran naked? He's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the only story you remember, Zed. Well, I just remember he was running <laughs> naked and a bunch of Indians chasing him yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, and he escaped. So here's this buckskin-clad trapper with, an, with excellent health and had a really good reunion with some of his friends that were also with the group that had yeah. been on the Lewis and Clark. So they sat around the campfire, visited, and one thing, another. So Lisa needed this guy. He, need, he needed Coulter. Coulter. So, the, I mean, Coulter knew the country. He was an expert in traveling alone. He had traveled among the Indians. Uh, Lisa began talking with Coulter, and he said, put off going back to St. Louis for a while. Come work for me and be our guide. Well, so when they headed out the next day, Coulter went along. He did. Yeah, so he was headed home, but he turned around and went back with these guys. Well, Lisa turned his boats away from the Missouri and up the Yellowstone, uh, according to, because that's where Coulter knew that there was better trapping. Mm -hmm. And he also knew the country and its beaver and knew that it, there hadn't been trappers in that area. So later that year, the party came to the mouth of the Bighorn, which seemed like a pretty good place to settle down for the winter. There was wood and winter and or in abundance, uh, good wood and good water. Uh, so they settled down for the winter. Uh, and there was wildlife around. We've talked about that, that, uh, you know, you wanted a place where you could get deer and elk yeah, and antelope, yeah. things like that. And Lisa. 7-Eleven down, down the, the street. Yeah. 
So Lisa could expect the crows, once they knew of his presence, to come in and trade furs for his cloth, beads, lead powder, and stuff like that. Really? So the Indians knew that they could trade for these other goods. Okay. So, uh, so the party set out chopping trees and building a fort, which Lisa named Fort Raymond. And I believe it actually became known as Fort, uh, Manuel Lisa uh, later. Really? On, I believe, yeah. So Lisa dispatched Coulter into the band of the crows to let them know about the new trading post. Well, the crows had learned to trap, and they knew how to cure the furs as the white men wanted them. You know, there were different ways to cure the furs, and it had to be done properly, or the furs just weren't as good to sell, hmm. not as good a quality. Okay. So when Lisa and Juilliard finally arrived back in St. Louis. Uh, Juilliard is George. George. I got to yeah. keep this straight. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a program So here. they went back to St. Louis. Ah. All right. Juilliard was promptly held for trial for the murder of this bassinet guy that he'd shot. You know, really? And they sent down the with the canoe. And anyway, he was found not guilty. Did the guy die? Yeah, he died on the way back to St. Louis. Oh, so you're moving too fast for me. The reason they l- didn't uh, 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 find him guilty because they said, you know, this guy was a deserter. He deserved to be shot. Oh, and that ended it. <laughs> that was it. I see. So anyway, when Lisa, uh, with him back in St. Louis showing a profit, other fur traders knew that uh, that Lisa was serious competition. So Lisa was planning his next trip up the Missouri to collect the packs of fur that his fur trappers had uh, brought to his fort. Because he would just go back and forth taking the furs. Yeah. So his next trip was a much bigger uh, deal. The first expedition had been made with a crew of about 50 men. The second troop, uh, trip, uh, beginning in the spring of 1809, included more than 100 trappers and traders, as well as a military detachment escorting the Mandan chief, Shahaka, back to his village. Oh, my goodness. Lewis and Clark had invited Shahaka to go to Washington to meet uh, the president, and they, part of the deal was that they would escort him back home. Nice. So that's why the military was with him. And so that's why they had 140 soldiers that had joined the party. That's so, a big party. Yeah, so they had all these trappers, and so probably 300 people oh, heading, my. heading up into the country. Where are you going to find food for all them? They hunted, you know, they could kill. You know, there's plenty of elk, deer, antelope. Uh, so I don't think food was an issue. At that point, I'll be so much of what historians know uh, comes to us from a journal by the name of Thomas James, a member of that expedition. And he was 27 years old and he was kind of a powerfully built, uh, intelligent guy. But and he could write and uh he wasn't real uh, fond of Manuel Lisa. Oh, my. They, uh, they kind of had their uh, quarrels or I see. disputes. Anyway. I see. Anyway, so with all these people, there were 13 barges and keelboats. And Tom James, this guy, was captain of one of the boats with about a dozen men, including Reuben Lewis, who was the brother of Meriwether Lewis. Oh. You never heard of Reuben Lewis, have you? No, Reuben, Reuben, no. I've never heard of Reuben. So in June of 1809, uh, they're heading up the river. And the military, having safely delivered Shahakra back to his people, they left. So now it's just the trappers. So meanwhile, uh, so many of Lisa's men deserted 
that the party was now down to 32. From 300? Yeah, yeah. well, 100. They had about 100 oh. trappers, and now they're down to a third uh, because they wanted to just kind of go out on their own. I see. So these men trapped in little bands of three or four. And anyway, the famous uh, Lewis and Clark woodsman George Drulliard left camp one day and went upstream a mile or so to set his traps. And uh, the next morning, one of his traps had a nice beaver. Well, Tom James warned him. He said, you know, there's Indians around here and you maybe shouldn't be going off by yourself like that. Yeah. Uh, well, Drulliard uh, said, well, he said, quote, I'm too much of an Indian to get caught by Indians. Uh-huh. Famous last, last words. words. The third day, Drulliard set out to uh, get his traps and get his beaver. But guess what? Uh-oh. He didn't return. Oh, my. Uh, so, meanwhile, there were two other trappers also ignored the warnings, and they went off by themselves to hunt, and they also failed to return. I see. Well, the whole company set out searching for the missing people, and... Uh, they discovered them. Uh, they found the remains of Drulliard. They found the remains of the two hunters. And Sounds a little gruesome. That was the end of Drulliard. I see. So we're not going to talk about George anymore. Okay. George, so George is he's off gone. The, he's gone. gone to the great hunting ground. Okay. So by the time the party reached St. Louis again, Tom James and most of the others, they were in debt to the company. They'd spent all this time getting beaver, but they were in debt to Manuel Lisa's company. And they had been underpaid for their beaver skins and overcharged for their supplies. So Manuel Lisa was not paying them enough for their beaver. And then he was charging them for all the supplies that he took to them. These guys weren't real bright, were they? Well, so here's what they did. Uh, so they sold the trappers powder at $6 a pound and lead at $3 a pound. And tent cloth was bought at a dollar and a half a yard. A shirt went for $6. Whiskey was $12 a gallon. Uh, they just over overcharged him for everything, and so they went into debt to the company. Oh, my goodness. Well, to Tom, Lisa and his partners would just basically remain swindlers. They uh -huh. were just, just crooks, basically. And while he continued to trade and organize trapping parties, he also uh, did a few other things. Uh, he was an Indian agent for a while, Lisa was, uh, with Captain William Clark, and he became his sub-agent. He actually married the daughter of a chief of the Omahas, and that was more of a a business deal, I see. you know, I see. Uh, because that was a good alliance uh, to be married to the chief's daughter. If you're so be, it wasn't a matrimony in love. Uh, no, it was a matrimony of business. I see. So, uh, but anyway, he kept a good relationship with the Plains Indians, which was vital in uh, keeping the Indians loyal, you know, to him and uh -huh. with the trading. Yeah, but why didn't she, if she wasn't happy, go back to dad what, and say... Well, I don't know if she wasn't happy. Oh. She might have been happy. Oh, okay. We don't know. She... None of my business. <laughs> well, she was married to a wealthy. You stay in your TP, I'll stay in mine. <laughs> she was married to a wealthy businessman. Okay. All right. So, anyway, uh, he enjoyed traveling in the wild country of the Rocky Mountains. He made his final trip into the headwaters in the fall of 1819. And when the pioneering trade and the trapper came back downriver the following spring, he was a sick man. And later that year, he died and was buried in St. Louis. Really? 
And that's the story of Manuel Lisa. Now, how old was he when he died? I don't know. It doesn't oh, tell me how okay. old he was in the beginning or, you know, just that he was a Spaniard uh, and he established this business. And Did he die a wealthy man or a poor man? Uh, it doesn't tell me, but I'm assuming he died wealthy because of the way he treated his well, trappers. Well, the way he's charging for the whiskey. Yeah. And... Uh, like I say, he had a good relationship with the, with the Indians. So he, and you know, when you trade, uh, you know, for furs with beads and, uh, things like that and cookware and, yeah. you know, Dutch ovens, things like that, you come out on top. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but anyway, that's the story of Manuel Lisa, uh, lesser known than, you know, Jim Bridger I've and never heard John of Coulter before. and uh, many of the others. So what happened to Coulter after that? Uh, he continued going back and forth. Did he? Yeah. And I believe it was after this where he had his Is that encounter. when he was skinny dipping, trying to run away from everybody? That's, I believe that was afterwards when he was up in oh. uh, uh, in the Henry's Lake, Madison area where, uh, you know, he, he and his partner were trapped by the Indians. His yeah. partner was killed and the they let him have a head start uh, with nothing on. As fast as he could go, and uh, I've told that story, but I'll kind of repeat it. He uh, uh, was running as fast as he could with Wouldn't these you? <laughs> with these <laughs> Indians chasing him, and he had outdistanced all but one. All but one. And this last Indian was closing in on him, and just as he got to him, uh, Coulter turned, grabbed the guy's spear, threw him to the ground, and dispatched him with, and the spear broke in half. And uh, anyway, so he grabbed the, he had a blanket with him, this Indian did. And so he took the half spear and the blanket, continued running and hid in a beaver dam. Oh, I remember that. Hid in the beaver dam. Yeah. Uh, and the Indians were on top of the beaver dam, but they never did find him. And he escaped and made his way back to, back to a fort. Oh, man. So. Well, there you go. We learned all about uh, what not to do when you're trading with very expensive whiskey. There we go. <laughs> Appreciate it.